Hey, good morning, church. Um, you might have seen a good, really cute crowd near the front this morning. I think you know what that means. We did this twice in November. And this family, this is one family. There's some cousins involved, but they're still, it's one family. Somebody got COVID. <laughs> so we had to reschedule. So I know that y'all will be happy to see this stage get a whole lot cuter here. I know you're never upset about that. So we're pretty excited to be able to celebrate again with these parents and their whole family and commit alongside them to support their raising endeavor to raise these, these uh, babies to know Jesus and to raise them to love Jesus well. So if y'all would go ahead, parents and your babies, come on up. We have the McKinney's and the Mitchell's coming up. And I've already told them that we love it when they make noise. We love it when they get down and run around. So it's okay no matter what, right? Amen. <laughs> As believers, church, you know, we model ourselves after Jesus. We love each other. We love those out in the world that we don't even know because he loved us, right? We sacrifice because of his sacrifice. We give because he gave. Jesus also made time for ministry to children. So we make time for ministry to children. And then we as a church body, we as parents, we as grandparents, aunts, uncles, we do the same. I just want to say for a minute, in case you weren't here in November, what this is not. Because I don't want you to be confused by this, okay? For us as a church, this dedication is not indicating salvation for these babies. It doesn't somehow reserve their place in heaven. It just is a symbol. The same way that if you're married, you wear a wedding ring. But if you took it off, you'd still be married. Yeah? Baptism is a symbol of salvation. Doesn't doesn't magically save you. Them saying that we're going to raise these kids this way today in front of you doesn't indicate their salvation. That's a choice they're going to make one day. And it's going to be a beautiful day whenever they do it. It does mean, as we dedicate these babies, that we're probably saving them from a life of not knowing Jesus. They're knowing from an early age who he is. These parents are praying with them every night as they rock them in their rocking chairs, as they're putting them down, they're letting them know that Jesus loves them. They're singing these things over them, praying these prayers, reading these Bible verses to them. And I know that because they told me so. So on your wedding day, the question wasn't, do you love this person, right? We talked about this on Thursday night. The question wasn't, do you? It's going to be, will you? When it gets hard, when you get tired, will you continue to love each other well? So that's the question today. You're going to keep your promise to God and to these children to raise them to know him and to love him well. For those days, we need God's guidance. It doesn't necessarily come easy. You may have been Christian since not the day you were born, but early, early on. You can be raised in this, and it still can be hard on some days. So we know that these families are going to need your help. They're looking to you for the support to surround them. It takes a village, right? We've all heard that. It's true. Making the decision to intentionally raise children in a home filled with faith in God requires a lot of parents. So we do this in front of the church because it's not just something they're committing to. It's something that they need the church to commit to with them, to support them. You may have attended a commissioning service. Just recently we did that for uh, Steve Whitaker. As he was going out into a new mission field, we prayed over him. We sent him out in that way. These parents are already in the thick of their mission field. And we want to send them into it well. To let them know that as they are, are missionaries in their own home, that we're here for them. That we're praying for them. Even when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning because you need a drink of water, you pray for them. It's a big responsibility what they're doing. And they don't take it lightly. As we do these things as parents, we expect that the ministry we're supporting, praying for, serving alongside as you're, you're doing those things, that we know it's happening. So, so both ends here, we're holding up both ends of the deal, right? Okay, so I want to take a little pause for a minute and introduce these families to you so you know who you're praying for, okay? And I'm going to bring this microphone over here. 
ahead. So this this is the McKinney's if they'll bring their slide up. Oh. <laughs> That's you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Trey McKinney. This is my wife, Catherine, and my daughter, Emerson. Um, and the verse we wanted to share with you guys is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It goes, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Thank you. Good morning. I'm John. This is my wife, Lindsay. This is my daughter, Kate, and my uh, son, Jackson. And... Um, our verse, which we went with two of them, was uh, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then um, our second one was Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. told you it would be cuter. I'm going to ask Pastor Sid to come up to the stage. He's going to charge you, church, and you, parents. It'll be a little like your wedding vows, uh, equally as important. Um, I want you to know, because you guys see me hand these parents these bags every time we do this, and you don't have a clue what's in there. There's a Bible, and there's a candle. We're told to be the light of the world, and that's what they're raising these babies to be. The Bible says that the word is a lamp to our feet, and that's how we shine the light for them. So, church, are you ready? Listen, you guys are nervous, aren't you? Kids are running around. Everybody's like, what in the world? What happens if they do this or fall off the stage? It's going to be just fine. What happens if they go to the bathroom in their pants and everybody can smell it? It's just the way it is. We've all been through it. It is. John and Trey, are so, they're so nervous, they don't know what to do. They're scared to death. Man, they have already made them speak in front of everybody. They don't want to speak to anybody. The kids, you know, what are they going to do? Listen, guys, I go back, and uh, Allison's already said an awful lot in reference. This is not your child's baptism. This is not about your child's salvation. This is about you guys as parents saying that you want to raise your kids in an environment where they have every opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm going to tell you this, um, after standing where you guys were 20 years ago, it goes fast, fast, really fast. And I also know this, that you guys are going to need the loving support, not just a family. You guys are going to need loving support of other friends and guys around you that, are, that, are, that share the same values, that share, share the same understanding and goals of wanting to do the same thing. And so we take our scripture... Um, of dedication from the story that we find in the book of Samuel with Hannah when she desired a child and all of a sudden she was given a child after a period of time and she dedicated that child back to the Lord. I'll always remember, I share this story often, I always remember after Abby was born, after we had waited for, for 12 years for a child, that the Lord spoke to me sitting on the porch and he said, she's, she's mine, give her to me now. And I realized that time that the Lord loves our kids a whole lot more than what we do. Isn't that true? We need one another. But I want, what I want to do is I want to read you guys a couple of statements. And if you agree with me, would you just say, we will. So here they are. We commit to love our children unconditionally. We commit to pray for our children faithfully. We commit to teach our children biblically. We commit to discipline our children appropriately. We commit to educate our children wisely. We commit to guide our children to love and to know Jesus by loving and knowing Jesus ourselves. And if that is what you're committed to, would you please say, we do? We do. All right. Church, very serious, very important. We need the support of one another. What you're doing today is you're saying that you want to be involved in this. Heritage is named Heritage for a reason because we believe that God has called us to pass on a legacy of faith, not just to get together and gather on a Sunday morning. So if you're serious about this and you understand the, the, the significance of, 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 of being involved, praying for, encouraging, 
helping teach and train, um, I would like for you to, at the end of this, I'll ask some questions, and at the end of that, say, we do. Church family, you promise to love and support and partner with these parents as they seek to bring these little ones up in Christ. Church, are you committed to surround these families with love, grace, and truth? Church family, are you committed to exhibit godly characteristics in our lives as an example for these children and parents to follow? Church family, are you committed to instruct, protect, and bless these children to the best of our ability? Church family, are you committed to guide these children to love and know Jesus by loving and knowing Jesus ourselves? And if you are, would you please say, we do? I want to just ask if the family, listen, you guys can join them on stage. You can stand up right there where you are, but we'd love to be able to pray for you guys today. Can we do that? Y'all can just stand there. Y'all can come on stage if you want to. Yeah, come on. Some are more bolder than others. Now you see, see, you already see the benefit of having family involved in the process. Can we pray? Would you pray with me today? Father, what a blessing it is to gather in this place that we have to dedicate children to have families that say, Lord, we want to give ourselves our lives to train our children up and teach them the way that they should go, to learn to love you, to obey you, to follow you. Father, I pray um, for these families. And God, I pray for Catherine and Trey and, and Lindsay and John. God, I pray in the days ahead that you would strengthen them, that they would stay close to you and listen for your voice. I pray in those moments that are difficult, that are, that, are, that are trying, God, that they wouldn't feel as if they have to do this alone, but they can reach out to others. This is a family. This is the body of Christ. Help us to understand as a church body the significant role that we play. To not just wait, but Father, to be, to be intentional in walking with this family. Thank you for the goodness of, of what the scripture teaches us and the significance of dedication and what it means to set apart Father, we set apart these children today with a great anticipation that one day, Father, they're not only going to serve you, but Father, they're going to make an impact that will send ripples throughout eternity. What a blessing it is. Guard our hearts and our minds and the rest of our times as we are gathered and as we spend time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Travis. How you guys like my tennis shoes? You like those? <laughs> Looks like something that uh, Rocky Balboa would be wearing. But it is a reminder to us, not only the series that we're in, uh, Follow Me, and our challenge that we have to follow the Lord, but it's also a reminder of Beyond the Walls and what we do at Beyond the Walls uh, here. Colleen and Mike were in the, in the first service, and we talked about the impact that Beyond the Walls has had here within our community as we serve our neighbors. You may not know this, um, most, of in this most of us in this room are pretty well taken care of, but we have seen a rise. We have more than doubled the number of people that we serve at Beyond the Walls, our food pantry, since last March, uh, to upwards of over 700 people that we see every month serve 700 families here within our community. And uh, uh, we are very blessed to not only um, have Beyond the Walls that, that is a part of our ministry, but we have a lot of support from this community to make sure that our neighbors are taken care of. This emphasis for us is an opportunity for you to be able to bring in uh, gently used shoes that you don't have. Um, there is a, a goal that has been set of 5,000, I think it's 5,000, 2,500, I can't remember, pairs of shoes 
Those shoes will in turn be sent, they'll be clean and they'll be sent to underdeveloped uh, countries where they will be used um, to produce jobs for people who don't have jobs so that they can make a living and earning. And in turn for that, we get a small portion that allows us the opportunity to be able to feed and take care of our neighbors here in the community. So if you'd like to participate with us, those listening online, listen, we'd love for you to join us. There's places uh, here within our community uh, that you can drop off shoes but we're very, very blessed to be able to serve. Isn't it a privilege to be able to have an impact in your community? Yeah. Y'all can say yes, it's okay. Yes, it is. Gathering is just not enough on Sunday mornings. That's what church people do. They gather. Jesus' people live on mission. We live on mission because God has called us to be a light, a light into the world. And we are thankful for that. Listen, I want you to be able to turn over to the book of Luke. We're going to be there today. We've been in the middle of a series called Follow Me. If you've not been here with us, um, you can go online and you have the ability to pick up what we have um, been doing if you want to listen to some of the other, other, uh, other services that we've had in, in this series. I pray that when we're done here today that you'll go, hmm, I think I'd like to go back and hear last week's or the weeks before. But you know, oftentimes what I hear from people out when I'm out is, Pastor Sid, you don't know me, you don't know the things that I've done, the mistakes that I've made, and you don't know how bad I've hurt people. And, uh, and that's true. Sometimes I don't know people's stories. Um, but I do, know th- I do know this, that regardless of what we've done, our sin does not prohibit our Savior offering us an invitation for us to follow him. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't wait for us to change our lives before that invitation is offered, but that invitation is offered. Um, we learned up front when we talked about Matthew, here's, here it was Jesus, and of all the people that you would think that Jesus would say, come follow me, especially when the disciples were like going, I know he's not fixing to do what I think he's going to do, and he did it anyway. Who in the world wanted to hang out with Matthew, the tax collector, the guy, Bill, that everybody thought was the worst of the worst, the sinners of all sinners? And yet Jesus would offer Matthew the opportunity to come follow me. And Jesus, knowing that if he were to spend time with him, there's an opportunity for his life to be changed. And so it's inside of the Gospels that we see Jesus over and over inviting people to follow him. Um, And in essence, what Jesus was saying, listen, come hang out with me. Come spend some time with me. Listen, let's just talk. Let's have have some supper and let's just spend some time together because there's no way that you can spend time with Jesus and not be changed. See, I can tell. See, I know you and I can tell just as myself. See, when I'm spending time with Jesus, my life is different. I can tell the difference between somebody who walks with Jesus and somebody who just does some religious activity. I know church people that are nasty people. You know why? Because they're not spending time with Jesus. And so the question we've been asking throughout this series is, are you following him? We've not asked the question, do you go to church? How many times you go to church? Are you involved in a Bible study? You know, do you tithe? That's not been the focus of our, our time. But the question that we've been asking over and over and over again, it's a simple question. Are you following him? Not whether or not you're keeping the Ten Commandments, not whether or not how many verses you've got memorized. I'm just asking you, are you following Jesus? So we're going to go back to the Gospels today because that's where we've sort of sat down and that's where we've been working. We're going to go back to the Gospels to a story that we find not only in the book of Luke, but also in the book of Matthew. Matthew was Jewish. He was a tax collector. He was disliked by so many different people. And Matthew spoke to those, uh, to a Jewish audience, primarily a a Jewish audience. When Luke was writing, Luke was writing not um, so much a, a Jewish audience as he was a Gentile audience. So Luke would have been writing for guys like me. Guys that were sort of simple, guys that were on the outside. That's who Luke was writing to because the Gentiles didn't understand all the religious things and all the background of of the Jews and all that they had gone through. So Luke takes everything and he sort of simplifies it down. And he writes to the Gentiles. Um, And um, he he goes to great lengths and he tells us this. Listen, guys, I want you to understand that I've gone to great lengths to make sure that what I'm writing to you is accurate and true because I want you to have a good, a good handle on what's going on. And he tells us right up front in his writing about that. But it was easier for Luke to be able to do that because 
Luke was a doctor. Now, how many of us want our doctors to be detailed people? I mean, the last thing you want your doctor to say, oh, thanks, babe. The last thing you want the doctor to say, see, that's what that, look, y'all see that? Y'all see that? I, I, I hope that's not a premonition that something bad's going to happen. The last thing you want your doctor to say is, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess we can try this, or I think maybe this might work. I mean, you know, you don't want your doctor to say, you want the doctor to know exactly what he's doing. And so here it is, Luke is writing, he writes this story, and it takes place along the Sea of Galilee. And as you read the stories of Jesus, it's amazing of how much, how much activity and ministry takes place in such a small area, small geographic area, with the Sea of Galilee being one of those places. And with that being said, let's pick up the story today in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, as we read. And listen, how many of you love God's Word? Man, I hope you would love God's Word. I'll read you some statistics in a while, a while ago that I... That I I came upon not too long ago, and I thought, my goodness gracious. But listen, I pray, man, that there's something that you find within the story that we're going to read today that's going to be so impactful to you that when you leave here, there's something you're carrying with you. Because I believe with all of my heart there's something here that Jesus wants to speak to you. Even you, Leanne Pierce, I believe that God's got something for you. I know. See, Leanne was sleeping over there, and I figured I'd wake her up. So anyway... I'll pay for that later on, but anyway. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, verse 1, this is what we read as Luke, as Luke wrote. One day, as Jesus was, what was he doing? He was preaching. Man, you guys are great. One day, as Jesus was what? He was preaching. Yes, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which has several other different names, um, and, but just know that's the Sea of Galilee. I was talking to somebody earlier that said, you know, I've been there to the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee isn't just a Sea of Galilee, but it is a crater that was formed by Mount Hermon, that, which is a, is a volcano. And that is, it has been formed from that. So if you, it's not just a, this big sea, but it's a, sort of this round area. So here it is, great crowds, it says, pressed in on him, being Jesus, to what? To listen to the word of God. So here's Jesus down by the water's edge. He's speaking, he's teaching, he's preaching. And to those that had gathered there that day, and I have this in my mind that as Jesus taught, as he, as he was preaching, there were more people like, man, what's going on down there? And so they would gather, there were sort of people gathering and wanting to hear what Jesus had to say. And in the midst of that, the longer that Jesus taught, the crowds grow, grow they, they grew bigger and and bigger, and they continued to press in to the point that here's Jesus, like standing on the on the shore of the water, like you know, like what in the world is going on? I mean, these guys are just pressing in. How many of you want to be in the back when you go to a concert or something? I mean, most people want to crowd to the front because you don't want to miss anything. You don't want to miss nothing. And so here's Jesus outside. There's there's no sound system. I mean, there's not a band that's playing. There's no podium. There's no electronics, there's no lights, and Jesus is speaking in the elements. And it goes on to say here, then verse 2, that he noticed being Jesus, he noticed two empty, any what? Two empty what? There's boats. You know, boats are a normal thing you see down by the water's edge, you know. There's two boats down by the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their, their, their nets. Now, fishing is fun. How many of you guys like to fish? Fishing is fun. All right? Let's just, we'll get that out there, throw it out there. Fishing is fun. The problem comes in, the difficulty comes in, it's the preparation prior to go fishing, and it's what happens after you go fishing, okay? Especially if you catch fish. And so these guys, they, there's, some, there's some fishermen had left their boats there because they were washing their, their nets. Here's Jesus teaching. He looks over. There's some boats They've been pulled up, they're washing their nets, and while they're cleaning their nets, they're listening, they're listening to Jesus speak. Look at what he said. Stepping into the one of the boats, Jesus asked this man whose name was what? His name is Simon. Listen, write this down someplace. This is really important. We talked about this very briefly yesterday, and I want you to know this. Names are important. Do you know what the word Simon means? The word Simon means listener or one who hears. If you've never gone, gone back and, and looked at the significance of your name, I, I challenge you to do that. 
I pray that you'll understand their significance. Our kids were named the way that they were named for specific reasons. Abigail, she was the firstborn, my father's joy. Caleb was born strong and courageous. He was the one, one of the two, um, Joshua and Caleb, that when they went over, they saw what, what was potentially possible. They didn't see all the problems. And then Anna Grace. Anna Grace was our, she wasn't our oops, but she was God's grace because we never thought we were done. And then along comes Anna Grace. She's God's grace. But you know, here is Simon, the one who hears, the one who listens, and you'll understand that a little bit, long, a little bit better as we go along. Jesus asked Simon, its, its owner, the boat owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. So here's in the elements, in the boat. Some people ask me why I sat down, because Jesus sat down. If Jesus sat down, I can sit down. Thank you very much. Y'all thought that was funny, didn't you? See, I always do everything biblical, and so I had to find a little bit. This is biblical. The crowds have been following Jesus, and the fishermen that were cleaning their nets were listening. And it said, and when he had finished speaking, talking about Jesus, finished speaking, he's down by the water. He said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Man, you want to underline that? I'll tell you why you're going to hear that. So let's go out where it's deeper and let your nets to catch some fish. Simon's response to Jesus was, Master, um, it'd be like saying, sir, it's like respectfully, okay, I've been listening to you, sir, sir, you know, politely. Master Simon, we, 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 work, we worked hard all last night. And I mean, I don't know if you really understand. I know you're a carpenter. This is fishing. We work, okay? It's hard out here. And, and we, we went fishing and we didn't catch a thing. It's, like, it's, a, it's a polite way of saying thanks, but no thanks really is what it is. Thanks, but no, we're fishermen. Listen, we know when to fish. We know how to fish. We know what bait to use. We know when the fish are biting. And so, and now is it the time really to go out? By the way, do, do you know how difficult it is for a fisherman to admit failure? I mean, think about that. I mean, here it is. He says, we worked all last night and didn't catch a thing. I mean, to even say that, that was a big deal. I watched yesterday as the guys would come up from the men's day out. We were fishing yesterday. We had two guys that were taking guys out fishing. So as they would come in, I, I, would, I would say, hey, I said, man, did you catch anything? Oh, yeah, I caught, I caught a couple, caught a couple, caught a couple. Okay, what about you? <laughs> I mean, listen, it's hard to admit failure. Hard to admit it. And so here it is, thanks but no thanks. Man, listen, hard to admit fair. And Simon's response to Jesus was respectfully, Master, we have worked the nets all night long and we haven't caught anything. And yet now you want us to go back out? Listen, I don't think so. Jesus was asking them to do something that they knew how to do. I mean, Jesus was asking them to something to do, something that they were experienced at. He was asking them to do something that they made their livelihood on. Jesus was asking them to do something that, that um, they had experience at. I mean, but I don't think what Jesus really was asking them to do had so much to do with fishing as it had to do with trusting him. <laughs> look, at what, look at what happens. Because what, what, what did Simon's name mean? Listener. Here. He says, going on in verse 5, but if you say so, if, but if, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Do you have any idea how hard it would have been to have break from what they were doing? They were getting ready to go. They were getting, getting ready to go and probably get a nap. And all of a sudden now you, to load all this stuff back up and to head back out after being exhausted, if you've ever been up all night long, you understand what those early morning hours are like. And here it was based on their experience, their knowledge, their understanding. <laughs> this is going to be a waste of time. But if that's what he wants us to do, all right, guys, come on, we're going to have to go. We're going to have to go. But Simon had enough respect for Jesus that he said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do that. We'll do that. I read one commentary that said, you know, it was what Peter did that day, Simon Peter. It was the response that Simon Peter gave that day that would change his life. And it's the reason that we know Peter today. 
because it was that day which may have been really insignificant in the great scheme of things when he was at that moment. But that, that decision that he would make, make to say, I'll, yes, I'll go, that became life-altering for him. You know, and for some of you guys, that's exactly where you are. I mean, you're, you're at that place. I mean, you're, you're at that place, and, um, and, and you're right where Simon was. I mean, Simon had no idea what hung in the balance as he made that decision. It's the same, same thing for us. It may not be a deep-sea fishing trip that Jesus is calling you to, but it may be something else. It may be an invitation to follow me and trust me, and to this moment in time, you just have put it off, and you've just said things like, well, you know, I'm too tired. Jesus, you just don't understand. And to this time, you've said no. Verse 6 goes on to say, and at this time, their nets were so full of what? Fish. That they began to tear. You know, the, the blessing that they were experiencing, what they were experiencing that time was a result of a Yes. It came as a result, Lord, if that's what you say we need to do, if that's what you're asking, I will, we'll trust you. And that act of obedience is what led to the blessing. And write this down someplace. Their yes was a precursor to the extraordinary. See, it was at the Red Sea that we find in the Old Testament when Moses would stand and he would hold up that staff. And it wasn't until that staff was raised that the Red Sea parted and the people, the children of Israel would pass on across those waters. And if you remember the story a little bit later on, it wouldn't be until they, here they stood at the, at the water's edge of the Jordan River to pass over into the promised land. And it wasn't until the priest stepped into the water that the water receded and they crossed over into the promised land. And it's the yes that becomes the precursor to the extraordinary. Their nets were so full of fish, it said in verse 7, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. <laughs> it doesn't take long for what God does to, to, to make its way around the community, does it? Simon Peter realized what had happened. I mean, what in the world do you think that he did? What do you think was going on through Peter's through Simon's mind is he, here he is experiencing what he's experiencing. I mean, here is this guy and his partners. They knew how to fish. Man, they were fishermen by trade. They had fished all night. They had caught nothing. I mean, so they did what any one of us have done. I mean, we would have responded just like they did, right? I don't think so. See, what they were doing is they were cleaning up and they were getting ready to go home. They were putting things up, getting ready to go grab a nap. And here's Jesus messing it all up by saying, hey guys, guess what? Let's go fishing. I don't know about you, but I can almost assuredly say to you that I just said, I don't think so. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm going home. But Simon had been listening that day. He's cleaning the nets. See, you've been in the restaurant before and you've overheard things and you've like, you know what I'm saying? See, you've been in the office before, Manny, and there's things going on and instead of just closing your ears and closing your door, you just sort of leaned into it. And here's Simon and the guys cleaning their nets and they're sort of cleaning their nets, but they're leaning into the conversation that was happening because they were listening they were listening, listening. And that decision that day not to go home and to say yes, not only opened the door for blessing, but it also opened his eyes to who Jesus was because all of a sudden Simon realized that the guy that he was talking to wasn't just any ordinary guy. This guy was different. He wasn't just a teacher. Look at what he said. And what, how what Luke said took place, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, there's a difference here. Master, a little bit of respect here. And all of a sudden he says, oh, Lord. Reminds us of, oh, Lord, my God. Didn't Caleb do good? He got all that singing from his mama. <laughs> oh, Lord, please leave me. In other words, oh, Master. Oh, ruler, please 
Get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. See, that's what happens when we stand in the presence of a father. We see his perfection and we see our sin. Jesus was not just a great teacher, but this, this was a man that had power and authority over all creation, even the fish. And it was at that time that the focus shifted from fishing to following because it was at that moment that Simon realized who he was talking to. He was Lord. And in spite of the sin that he had, he had lived in up until this time in his life, Jesus was getting ready to speak something into Simon. He's going to speak it into him. He's going to speak into his life something about his future. And look at what it says in verse 9 as it talks about what took place there. For he was awestruck at the number of fish they had caught. As were the others with him, his partners in verse 10, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago as we talked about, as we talked about when, what happens when we walk with Jesus. You know, it's not just about the benefits and it's not just about going to heaven when we die, as great as that is. It's not about that we won't face any problems or trials as we walk with Jesus because Jesus never promised us that. But if you remember, we talked about there was, there was three words that we see in the scriptures over and over and over again in, inside of the gospels where Jesus said those three words, don't be afraid, because as we walk with Jesus, we get to know who he is. We learn about his character. He teaches us that even in the times like we're facing right now, we don't have to be afraid. We can find peace and rest. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. From now on, you will be fishing for people. In other words, your willingness to say yes, and I want you to know I have a plan for your life, and it's better than just fishing for fish. Because Peter, what I'm getting ready to do for you is I want you to be a fisher of men. What happened that day, it was Simon's faith. It intersect God's goodness, the goodness of the heavenly Father. Because God had a plan and a purpose for his life, but not only his life, your life as well. And man, when we intersect, when God's goodness intersects our faith, there's something that happens. And it all began with a decision that day for Simon to say, yeah, Jesus, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And look at what Luke said as he finished up there in verse 11. As soon as they landed, as soon as they got back to the bank, what did they do? What did they leave? Everything. What did they leave? Everything. And they followed Jesus. This is a great story, isn't it? We're not done there, though. Can I give you three things today that I want you to leave with that I think will be helpful for us that are impactful? And I want you to write these down somewhere, wherever you are, if you're listening or if you're up here. And I want you to write these down on something because I think these three things that I'm going to pull out will maybe help us as we sort of conclude everything. I want you to write this down. Hearing precedes following. Hearing precedes following. So the story began down by the water's edge where Jesus was preaching and the crowds were pressing in. And then they were wanting to hear what Jesus had to say. And this is what I know. I believe that you are here today or those who are listening online, you're wanting to hear what Jesus has to say. You want to hear not what I have to say, but you want to hear what God's word has to say. And here was Simon and his buddies. They couldn't help from listening uh, uh, to Jesus cleaning their nets. But that's how an invitation to follow Jesus begins. Hearing precedes following. Just you taking time out today to be here, to be a part, to listen online is a, is a sign or a demonstration of not only your interest, but your availability. That's important. That's a big deal. And man, my encouragement to you, regardless of where you are, is for you to continue finding yourself um, as a person being defined as one who wants to hear God's word and listen to God's word. I don't care if, man, if you're on the beginning stage and you're just starting to follow Jesus or interested, or if you've been walking with Jesus for many, many years, do not become a non-listener. Because listening and hearing precedes following Jesus. 
The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news of Christ. I read some statistics the other day, pretty alarming. You probably are going to listen to these. You're going to go, man, that doesn't sound right, but this is, this is, these are the stats. I'm going to read them to you. I know this isn't you because I know that you read God's Word, and I know that you're in God's Word because that's what we talk about all the time. We don't talk about you coming to church we don't, talk about all that. we don't talk about that all the time. We talk about being in God's Word and doing what God's Word has to say and following what God's Word has to say, listening to God's Word. And I want you to know this. Some statistics tell us that 9% of professing believers read the Bible only once a month. Nine, once a month. 8% read the Bible only three to four times a year. 11% read the Bible only once a year. 34% of professing believers only open their Bible up when a pastor or a teacher is talking. But I know that's not representative of you. I mean, how can we follow if we're not listening? I read a, another statistic the, the other day out of Christianity Today that told me that 88% of, 88 of people sitting in Congress today are professing believers. Before you jump on that bandwagon, I want you to know it's the same percentage for the church today. Why is the, why is, you know, before you start blaming Congress for the, the way our world is going, uh, better look at the church people. That means that 88% of us would be professing um, Christ followers, yet what is happening? What are we doing throughout the week so that others come to know Christ? Are we living for him? But hearing proceeds following. Just a second thought here. Somewhere along the journey, Jesus' invitation will lead you to a crisis of belief. Somewhere along the journey, Jesus' invitation to follow will lead us to a crisis of belief. In other words, what you say you believe is going to be put to the test sometime. Somewhere along the way, you can say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I can get baptized. I can do all, you know, whatever you want to do. But somewhere along the line, your faith is going to get tested. And how will you respond? Look at verse 4. He said, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. See what a crisis of belief is. It's, it's, it is an assignment that God gives us when God gives us an assignment that we cannot accomplish on our own. I mean, how many of us look at what lies ahead and we just, we get terrified and we get fearful and afraid because we go, there's just no way that's going to happen. It's impossible. It's unattainable. And then I read the story of Moses and when Moses had been called out by God and had been set apart by God to lead the people, his people, the children of Israel outside of Egypt, Moses came up with, with every excuse in the world to say, I, 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 I can't do that. It's impossible. One excuse after another. And I think about my life of how many times I've said, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. In my faith, the faith that I say that I have, believing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he will do, is challenging. It's put to the test. And I have to make a response. What am I going to do? And here it is. Jesus is asking the guys to go out deeper. And man, let me tell you, it went against everything that they knew and they believed. I mean, everything within them was screaming, no, no. You've already been out all night long. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. But it wasn't as much about catching fish as it was, do you trust me? Do you trust me? See, because when we say we're going to follow Jesus, let me just say this. There are going to be those moments along the journey that your faith is going to be tested. When what you say you believe is going to be put to the test because faith isn't faith until it's tested. I mean, you can say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. Until all of a sudden you lose your job and then all, all of a sudden you're like going, where's Jesus now? Or if you get that unexpected phone call and something tragic has happened, where's Jesus? Or if whatever, where's Jesus? Jesus' instructions to Simon to go out deep, deeper and let down his nets went against everything that he knew as a fisherman. I mean, you have to understand that. 
We worked hard all night. We didn't catch anything. And here you're wanting us to go out again and go deeper. Can I tell you what deeper meant? Deeper meant farther. Deeper meant longer. Deeper meant unrest. Deeper went un meant uncharted waters. In other words, I'd never been there before. And yet how many times does God call us into uncharted waters, into places that never, we've never been, not because, not because of something that he needs, but something that he knows that we need. Because he wants to teach us something. He wants to show us something about who he is and his great power. Somewhere along the journey, Jesus' invitation will lead us to a crisis of belief. You may be facing that right now. What will you do? Third thing, Brother Dave said this, Dave Johnson, I don't know, probably a year ago, and it stuck with me. You just got to decide to decide. You got to decide to decide. After that incredible haul of fish, the guys were like, wow, man, did you see that? Unbelievable. Did you see what happened? Because what they experienced that day was nothing short of a, of a miracle, and they knew it. And while on the way back to shore, it says that Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And their decision that day to leave everything behind and follow Jesus would not only impact their lives, but it would send a ripple effect into eternity. And as I said earlier, it's because of that decision that Peter made that day that we speak his name and we know the story today. See, I, 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 wonder, I, I wonder what God is calling you to. I, I, wonder, I wonder what God is speaking into you. And, and, and it's just you have to make a decision to decide to decide. What are you going to do? See, Simon and those guys said, oh, well, all right. That's what you want us to do, Lord. I mean, what happens if they would have said no? But here it is when their faith, okay, Jesus, intersects God's faithfulness, things happen. Lives are altered. When Luke says in, in, uh, in verse 11, they left everything and followed Jesus, I, I want you to understand how big of a deal that would have been. Because it said they left everything. Didn't say some things, most things, but everything. Their family, their security, their livelihood, and they left it all behind to follow Jesus. It's amazing what happens when we follow Jesus. But the yes is a precursor to blessing. The, the, the yes is a precursor to an abundance of blessing. You see this building? Is this a blessing? It's an abundance of blessing. It's what it is. Not because of any man's work. This is a blessing from the Lord. This is a blessing with, uh, from the Lord that began with a yes. You know, and, and, and if I, think of, I think of what the guys might have said. You know, okay, well, let's just think about it. Let's pray about it. I mean, how many times is our out over something we know God wants us to do, and our out was, well, we're just going to pray about it. Well, and then you forget about it. Because you hadn't been praying about it. Sometimes you just need to decide to decide. And there are some of you guys that are listening today and you hear what I'm saying and you spent a lot of time wondering, where was God? I mean, if God was real and you've spent so much time on these questions and these questions are going over and over and over in your mind, but it isn't so much about who God is or where God is, but it's just about your willingness to say, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I talk about this kind of stuff and I, I think back and I, I think about how many times I've stood at the crossroads in my life and sometimes, can I be honest? Sometimes I've, I, let me pray about it. I don't think I want to do that. How many times have I said, I'm just too tired. 
I wonder how many blessings I've missed out on because of my unwillingness to say yes. I'm just thankful for the times that I've been willing to say yes for the experiences I've had because the experiences I've had and the abundances that I've experienced have encouraged me to continue to go on day by day. And look, this crisis of belief that we talked about, it's not one and done, people. It's not one and done. It's an ongoing crisis of belief. Do you believe who I am, who I say I am? Are you going to continue to do um, and react in such a way believing that I am who you say I am? It's an ongoing challenge. Ongoing challenge. I, I, um, I remember that night as I sat on the edge of the bed and contemplating what I felt like God was doing, and I was scared to death. And Meredith looked at me and she said, what, what, what is wrong with you? And I told her what I felt like God wanted us to do. And she just said, you're afraid. Well, that's not something you want to, man, you don't want the man, the woman in the house tell you you're afraid, right? That's not a good deal. But I was. I mean, we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Why would you leave a place that you love and walk away from everything, leave everything when it's not logical, it doesn't make any sense. Had a friend call me, text me a couple of days ago. I'd showed the email to Meredith. You're going to think he's crazy. But he's in a place right now. He's first time I've ever heard this man say, I need help. He's done pretty well in life, but he's always had a heart that's bigger than Texas. That's the biggest thing I can think of right now. And he texted the other day, he said, Sid, I'm in a predicament, I don't know really what to do. He said, this is something that daddy can't solve. Talking about himself. Come to find out, he'd given away all of his 401k. He felt that's what the Lord wanted him to do. And this man is near his retirement age. I mean, it would have been a good sum of money. But he said, I felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do because I had been depending on that 401k to take me the rest of my life. And God spoke to me and I just said, Lord, if that's what you want to do, I'll do. Now, you guys are going, that is stupid. I mean, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. But he said he felt like the Lord wanted him to leave everything. And now he's in a predicament. But you know what I know precedes a blessing, obedience, and I know that regardless of what they're experiencing as a family right now, as difficult as it is, you know what I know what's going to happen? I know a blessing is going to take place because he said, yes, Jesus, if that's what you want me to do, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to leave everything and I'm going to trust you. You know what I want you to experience? I want you to experience the blessing of following Jesus, of saying yes day by day by day. See, see, you don't understand the significance of Catherine and Trey and John and Lindsay and what they're saying. See, their, their significance of what they're saying yes to today is big. And my prayer is that as you wise walk through this time, that you're going to see the blessings happen because of your obedience today. That's my prayer for you. That one day you'll be able to look back and you'll go, it all began right back there when I said yes. You can bring your kids to church all you want to bring them to. You can, you can um, put them in Christian school. You can do whatever you want to do. But tell you what, but your decision to say, I want to raise my kids in a home that talks about Jesus and that lives out Jesus is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life outside of your own personal decision to follow Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that. And what I want for all of us as a church family is not just to be good about coming to church, but for us being willing to say yes. Just like Simon Peter, Lord, if, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, these guys were professional fishermen people. They knew when to fish, how to fish, what to fish with, what time to fish. Let me tell you, I don't know if I told you guys, did I, 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 sometimes I get confused having all these different services. I don't know what I've told when. Do you, when, when you're fishing with a cast net, and that would have been what they would have fished with. They would have fished with a big net they would have thrown. You don't fish during the day with a cast net. You fish at night in deep water because the fish rise to the top. And they would have been fishing by the moon. And the reason you fish at night is because the fish can't see 
that net when you throw it over the top of them because you know what happens? You've, you guys have been fishermen throwing a cast net. Here's fish on top of the water. All of a sudden, you throw the cast net. What happens? Boom, they go right down. Everything within them was screaming loud, no, no. But if that's what you want us to do, we'll do it. I wonder what stories are yet to be told that have the ability to be told. See, I don't want to one day look back and say, I, what, what if? But I wonder what's sitting inside of here today that one day will send a ripple effect through eternity so that not only will lives, our lives be changed and we come to know Jesus better, but other lives will be impacted because of the yes. So I finish as we have every time this, in this series. Are you following Jesus? I didn't ask you if you're coming to church. I didn't ask you if you go into a Bible study. I'm not asking you if you're following the Ten Commandments, and I'm not asking you if you're tithing. The question I'm asking you, are you following Jesus? Do you know him? Because if you know him and you're walking with him, your life will be different. And if you don't know him, the only thing that keeps you from receiving an invitation isn't your sin. Because Jesus didn't wait on us to change our lives before he offered that invitation. The only thing that keeps us from accepting and trusting him and receiving the invitation to follow him is a willingness to say yes. That's it. And what's at stake? Everything. I'll tell you what's at stake. A heritage of faith. A legacy of faith. That's what's at stake. If you don't know Jesus, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? Just the fact that you're here shows me that you're interested. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, man, and you'd like to talk to somebody about your relation, if you're listening online and you'd love to talk to somebody, listen, man, I'd love for you to get in touch with us. There's some cards in the back of your pews. You can fill that out, put it in the box. We, I want you to know we get together as staff and we pray for you. There's prayer requests that you guys mentioned, and we pray for you on Monday mornings. But maybe there's some of you that say, Sid, I'd like for you to have a conversation. I'd like to talk to somebody about my relationship with the Lord. Listen, let us know. Let us know. We'd love to engage you that with that conversation. But just know, it's not a one and done, people. It's a daily, day in, day out, crisis of belief. Am I willing to trust Jesus? one day at a time. But the blessings come as a result of the yes. And I don't know about you guys, but man, I want to experience the blessings. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. Do you think that word spread about what happened that day? When Jesus does stuff, it's amazing how word spreads. When Jesus is at work, it's amazing how word spreads. I would love for word to get out that, man, God was doing something in this place. That, people, that group of people up there at Heritage, they're different. I think they're following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to come into this place, to read your word, to listen, to hear. Help us to understand the significance of every decision that we make and the opportunities that we have daily to say yes to you. Help us not to miss those opportunities, but to take advantage of every opportunity we have. There may be some here today that are standing at the crossroads of some major decisions in their life. And Father, I pray you would give us the boldness to know that it isn't so much about catching fish as it is about saying yes to you. Remind us of the, the abundance of blessings is precluded. The precursor to that is a yes. For the ones that may be here that don't know Jesus, 
even today would it be the day that they knelt beside their bed, recognized their sin, just as Simon did, and cry out to you, admitting that sin, believing that Jesus died on the cross, and committing to follow him. Thank you for the privilege we have of being your children, for the opportunity we have to serve our community, to love as you loved. One day, I pray that down the line, there would be, just as we know the name of Peter, there would be people that know the names of people listed in, in this room, here in this room, because of the yeses that we live of our responses by saying yes. Help us to be your ambassadors in this world, to speak truth in love. May others come to know Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.